Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back. Warm, My gosh, it is so hot. Yesterday it was really hot too. I mean, we had June gloom yeah. this weekend and then it burned off real quick. It was like perfect. I went to the beach yesterday and it was like, I walked to the beach, it was like 70 degrees. So it's like perfect. Oh, that's not bad. We know you guys are all probably getting ready for the end of the school year. Some people are already out. Like Memorial oh, Day was like their last week. It's so crazy. I know. And then you I have know. like some other districts that aren't, oh, so we have a special guest today. <laughs> Baby Blair is in the pod recording studio today. Miss Blair. So if you hear anything, that's her. She wants this microphone this is real life, thing. Okay. They, everyone listening oh probably hears there's noises in their background too. Like, <laughs> oh, she's, she's trying to grab the mic. Right yeah, now. she, she wants, wants mouth. Everything's surprise. going in her mouth. Huh. Well, today, so since it's the end of the school year. We thought we'd take some time to do some updates on some legislative issues. Some of them have been ones that we've talked about in the past. So we want to like kind of give you a little bit of an update on these to kind of wrap up the school year. Don't fret, just because we're talking about end of the school year, we're going to still be recording and sending episodes to you all summer long, so you'll have plenty to listen to. So the first one, I guess, that we'll talk about is, if you guys remember back earlier in the year, we talked about... Betsy DeVos, you know, our favorite person, and how she was trying to reverse a lot of Obama-era regulations and just all this disastrous actions. Right. Well, one of them was this Obama-era regulation that was designed to ensure children of color are not disproportionately punished or sent to special education classrooms. This was something that was heavily fought, and there was an amicus brief written and fought by COPA, and we had And an then we had an episode, yeah, it. yeah. So this is a little bit of an update. So the lawsuit that challenged the reversal of this regulation was put into federal court earlier this year, and in March, the federal court determined that the rule that the Trump administration must implement the regulation immediately. So... Essentially, them rolling it back was not appropriate, is what right. the court said. Right, and, and that's what we were talking about when she was taking it under submission and was like, oh, I got to review the data, and I got to really, but it's like the data was there, and that's what we were talking about, was that the disproportionate rate at which children of color were being punished and labeled, and that's why, you know, the Obama, and so much more. I mean, I know this is kind of getting off a little bit, but like, even with the LGBTQ, I'm sorry, the Obama was rolling out, and those protections now being the Title IX, yeah. Well, I mean, she thinks that she can just do whatever she wants and it's no problem i mean this essential regulation was actually published the final days of the obama administration so the rules were supposed to be taking effect last year so it was a little bit of a delay like a lot of things but last summer devos moved to delay it for an additional two years which is kind of ridiculous because you know these are things that are found to be very have profound effects um, on our education. These are big issues. They're not things that we should just wait and see on. Right. So the court decision was issued on March 7th, basically saying you need to reverse what you're doing. And she basically was like, I'm going to see, which is kind of ridiculous because when the court, federal court says you need to do something, you really should be acting. And it's just another way of her to delay 
and we know that like she was trying to delay it from the first place. Right. So right. you know her like let me just review it is kind of ridiculous. But what the regulation was supposed to do is it states would face tighter rules about how they tabulate data about the demographics and treatment of children in special education to make sure that there's not racial disparities. Right. Because the data has come out that there is huge racial disparities. So Essentially, the calculations would tip some states over a threshold that requires them to create a plan to ensure students of color are not being disproportionately targeted. And so, but this most recent effect is that the department now says that they expect states to calculate or recalculate their data using the Obama methodology like right away. So because her request in the delay was denied by the court, they're now realizing, okay, now they need to act. So this is something that should go into effect right away. The Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, COPA, had released a statement, said that they were pleased with the department finally confirming what was clear from the court's order that states did not follow the Obama rules for this school year, that they must recalculate their data. So for the 2018-2019 school year, they need to go back and recalculate. And then they said, with this change, schools and students eligible for early intervening services will no longer have to wait for needed help. They said that given what's at stake, the department should do all they can to assist states in coming to compliance with this law. And I mean, the point of which we have the data and we want this information is because of the disparity, right? It's for so long been ignored and it's something that is important. And that's why we wanted to follow up on this, because the more that they just sit around and wait and don't have that data that's tabulated, just kind of like, and I know I made reference to this before, like the census, like that's coming up in 2020. And we need to know how many people are in the United States, whatever their status and, you know, having that. question on there affects it because it not only affects people that are, you know, whatever, U.S. citizens, but money won't be going to where it needs to go if nobody's answering those questions. Right. Right. Well, and the regulations provide for additional assistance for states, but they can't get that assistance if they don't hit that threshold. We don't know if they hit the threshold until we have the data. So, you know, it's another, obviously, you know, we don't have the effects of, you know, what states are, you know, being required um, to get this additional support and, you know, how things have changed since (laughs) Obama. (laughs) That was really cute. Blair is laughing now. I think she's glad that... DeVos exactly. is finally coming to her senses, maybe. Maybe. I guess she's um, listening to the courts you know, or whatever. But. So obviously this is an update that's kind of a little pending. bit of a lack of an update. Right, right but, pending, but we'll but follow it. We know yeah. that the courts are at least leading in the direction that they need to be not letting DeVos get away with her willy-nilly Antics. She wants. Yes. Yeah. Another legislative update that we found out about is there's legislation being introduced by a bipartisan group of senators that would ensure that individuals with disabilities would have the information they need to choose the right school and they don't have to go through too many extra steps to access support. So This is great. This, this is exciting. Is, exactly. So when students are right now transitioning from high school to college, the amount of hoops that they have to jump through to figure out, number one, which schools would be appropriate for them, and then doing the application, it's above and beyond what any other student would have to do. I mean, typically, applying to college is already a very invasive process, but for students who are living with disabilities, it requires them to do a lot of additional testing, requires them, it puts a lot of burden on them to request 
services yep. because of the fact that we no longer, when we get to college, mm-hmm. we no longer have the IDEA. We're looking solely at the ADA and some you know other educational code and requirements, but primarily the ADA, and which unfortunately, as it stands, does put a little bit, a lot of burden on the individual with a disability. And I think it's important to realize that the individual, the IDEA, Individuals with Disability and Education Act, obviously we want higher education, but as adults, the Americans with Disabilities Act steps in. And that's why, you know, it's like, oh, well, you turn 18, you're an adult, like, that's it, like, you know, and it's one of those things where... We still need to have protections, and I think that, you know, we have the more severe people covered, but then it's also one of those things where we're missing out on these, they just had IDEA protections, and we just don't have any further protect. Like when we're thinking about um, people with disabilities, you're thinking, oh, they're well into their 20s or 30s. And it's like, no, what about this small sector that do get to go to universities, that do get to go to those junior colleges and they don't have, you know, and then it's just another battle and then they give up. Yeah, well, and we know that a lot of, even though school districts under the IDEA are required to put together a robust transition plan for students who are 16 to 18, unfortunately, a lot of these plans just end up being something like, they will discover, you know, schools and they will learn how to apply, but it doesn't really give them the additional support. So this bill is known as the RISE Act, or Respond, Innovate, Succeed, and Empower. They love acronyms. They really do. That's a good one. I like it. I like it. Essentially, it spells out that students who already have a documentation of a disability can continue to use that same documentation when they enter higher education, and that if passed, the measure would free individuals who have received special education services from having to undergo additional diagnostic testing. U.S. Senator Bob Casey, who is one of the bill's sponsors, had said the RISE Act will help eliminate unnecessary barriers for students with disabilities and ease their transition. No student with a documented disability should have to jump through extra hoops or incur extra costs to prove their disability, because that's essentially what's happening right now. They're having to do a lot more I mean, and the student could be a junior and have a whole battery of tests done, but then right. they enter two years later and right. the colleges require them to do it, which is expensive. And expensive. we always, you know, try to encourage, you know, if you're going to have your triennial, your junior year, to get additional assessments that your senior year if you're going into college so that you don't have to, in, you know, get there and they go oh this is two years old just like Amanda said like we want to encourage that and most of the time IEP teams understand that and you know they try to sync it up but you know certain things happen but yeah having a private licensed educational psychologist or even a neuropsych or somebody else do these assessments for college oh my gosh it could run you if your insurance doesn't cover it I mean even if with insurance it's a couple thousand but I you know we know people that you know they do a battery of tests and they're all you know need but they're like it's like five thousand dollars yeah and you're already dealing with the cost of higher education as it is rising exactly um, exactly the other component of the legislation would actually amend the higher education act so it would increase transparency of school policies and data so that students with disabilities can best identify a college that meets their name their needs and then it calls for federal government the federal government to provide technical assistance to guide colleges and universities on how to better serve those with disabilities. So it's kind of doing a number of different things to kind of help promote these students to be able to go to college because we'd say say more often than not, more kids living with disabilities who have IEPs are more likely to go to a community college at this point, sometimes because of convenience, sometimes because of cost, 
surprised is because they don't have any idea of the schools that would actually be able to provide them with supports. I mean, some colleges have actual like programs, like UCLA has yep. their peers program. Yep. Peers. I think PALS. PALS. Peers is the social. The social yeah, the yes, social. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. So you know, but a lot of people don't aren't aware that these programs exist. They think some a school like UCLA, a student who is requiring some type of modifications in high school, is no way they could get into a right. college like that. But right. if they were made more aware of these programs, and then the more that they're made aware, the more students I think will start applying. And the more students that apply, I think more schools will then start providing programs like that. It's one of those things where people think it's harder than it is, and so they don't have a dedicated person. I know that when my husband was doing his internship, his master's in education for like not like K through 12, but like higher education. He was at Cypress Community College and they had, you know, their resources for people with learning differences. And I don't know that a lot of places have that. I'm sure they have like student affairs and it's just like, oh, I need extra time. But like, I feel like at Cypress Community College, they were like really into like, you know, organizing things for them, like making sure that they knew how to advocate, like just little things that we take for granted that a lot of the school districts sometimes do, not all of them, like we get them to do it. But, you know, there are colleges out there that do advertise that they have like an, not an alternative track, but they have, and I think UCLA was one of them where it's just like you live in the dorms and it's like that first year is just, they take it a little bit slower. They help like, and this is with people with intellectual disabilities. It's not just, you know, I have ADHD. Yeah. High functioning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and my alma mater, Cal State Northridge, I think we talked about this earlier in this school year that they just released a program for um, students with intellectual disabilities. Yes. So yeah, it opens up so many more doors, and so we'd hope that a lot more schools start to really release programs like that. So I think it's important. That I the think more with that this, the yeah. federal government mm-hmm. is able to aid schools mm-hmm. and give information to individuals. Then, and then also, the more that that happens, I think high schools can then be more aware that mm-hmm. there are all these programs, and so we should be setting our sights higher. We shouldn't be saying, well, there's not many programs for these types of students, so therefore, you know, we're just going to put them on a certificate track rather than maybe some of these students could get a diploma and move on, you know. So that's a big new thing that we're hoping will will make a difference. So we'll keep track of that. We'll let you know if there's any traction on that over the summer. Hopefully, before the end of the year, we'll get some more information on that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that it's top-down, right? As the federal government gets more involved and the universities and colleges do, then it trickles down to the high schools. And as Amanda and I are constantly saying, it's all about that early intervention. You know, we don't want people to not understand that the idea behind the Individual Disability Education Act is to have productive members of society as best as we can. And we've said it time and time again that the majority of the children have IEPs, a very small fraction of them may need to be taken care of by the state if their parents aren't involved or any family and but the majority of them can do work they can do so much yeah so Uh, this is a great start i'm really excited about this we'll follow it for sure and it was interesting because it was like several republican congress members that were sponsoring the bill it was bipartisan bipartisan. but we don't always see that with educational right so right you know hopefully we're seeing an upward trend i know that a lot of the people who are have announced their candidacy for the 2020 presidential election. A few of them have come out in support of educational reform, which obviously we like. And that'll be something that as the year goes on, as the candidates become a little bit more clear and some of them have 
actual agendas that they put forward about the education, we'll be talking about those because, you know, just like we did with the local elections um, earlier last year in November, we want to make sure that, you know, we're talking about and bringing to the forefront some of these educational issues because some candidates don't always talk about these issues and some really do and I think that education is one of those topics that often gets missed in the news cycle. You know, you got the hot button topics that, you know, President Trump talks about and, you know, the media talks about a lot, immigration, healthcare, all of that, that certainly affects our kiddos as well. But education being on the forefront is not always something that the media covers. So we're right. going to be trying with this yes. election cycle to really be a prize of the candidates who are talking about it and have real agenda items. And we'll let you know. We'll keep you posted, try to give you the information so that you can be you know, knowledgeable when it comes to voting this year. Yeah, the pool is a little heavy right now. <laughs> and yes. we know that Trump isn't necessarily focused on education like Amanda said so we want to be sure that the pool is a little bit smaller because we are still out you know 2020 I mean we're in 2019 we're halfway through 2019 but it is going to be something important that we are going to want to focus on because you know you just need to know the information and now that I know that some of the Republicans I'd probably want to read this proposal and make sure they don't slide anything under <laughs> yeah I mean definitely I mean and one of the biggest things why some of this is so important in us looking at who's running for public office is, you know, we've talked to you guys a lot about what's been happening in our federal education system because of stuff that DeVos is doing, not anybody else but her. And DeVos got here because of the president, right? So if we have a changeover in, you know, the administration, we're going to have a changeover in the federal department of education, which can make a big impact. So that's why we think it's important to talk about and important to just touch base on. And like we said, as the year goes on, we'll talk more and more. And so we hope this was a good little update for you. I know it was a quick episode. We'll tide you over for the week, and we'll be back next week with a lot more. I know. Blair's so upset that it's over. I know. We'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. She's looking at me like, look, I just want food. I just want to eat and sleep. Anyway, we will post some information about that in the show notes and feel free to take a look at it more. And if your state has anything legislatively going up the pipe that you want us to know about, send us a message and we'd love to kind of touch base about um, yes. state legislative agenda items because even if it doesn't touch our state or your another mm-hmm. person's state, it's important for us to be aware of these proposals because what might be a great idea in one state could be a great idea in another. And, you know, it's important for us to share kind of that information. And the about. states are all little laboratories. Absolutely. So, I mean, we definitely want to see how people are doing things and share that on the pod. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.